Morning everyone. The prayer course. We're actually in week four now in Scattered Together. Now, I'm only wanting to introduce this because if you've been in the huddles or the book club or reading the book or watching the videos, you can all be at different places. So uh, week one was an introduction. Week two was based on the Gethsemane experience of Jesus on the Thursday night of Holy Week. Week three was Good Friday and Jesus cried from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we're on week four today. And that puts us into the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. Sunday. Now I'm not going to say any more about that. I'm going to let Gemma and Pete Gregg, who produced the course, uh, introduce that and then we go straight from them to the Wardlows, Michael and Karen, who are going to lead us in our teaching today. But it's about that Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Hello again, Pete. Hi Gemma. I've been looking forward to this conversation actually because Holy Saturday just completely fascinates me and yet normally we hardly really discuss it. Mm. And I think this really, though, is precisely where many of us live most of our lives, somewhere between the cross and the resurrection, you know, between dear God and amen. So it's like we can't deny what Jesus has done for us yesterday on the cross. We may well have high hopes for what he might do tomorrow, but here we are today in a kind of a limbo, just waiting for breakthrough, struggling with unanswered questions, wondering why God's, you know, sometimes silent. So that's Holy Saturday. Good morning. This morning, we're going to be continuing in this series that we've been following over the past three or four weeks, looking at God on mute on the subject of prayer. And the question this week is, where is God in the middle of all of this? In other words, whenever things seem that God's far away or God's silent, what on earth is happening? So let's turn first of all to very familiar words from Psalm 22, words that we probably best recall being on the lips of Jesus on Good Friday as he was hanging from the cross. Today's reading is from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Hearing those words again and putting them on the lips of Jesus when he was hanging there, if you remember, he was going to be hanging on the cross for six hours. And as a human being, feeling rejected, feeling as though God was far away, his prayers unanswered. Hence that cry of desolation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I guess sometimes in our experiences we may be there as well. Pete Gregg in the series that we've been following, some of us in the huddle and in the prayer group, reminds us that as Christians we love to move from Good Friday to Easter Sunday and we don't spend too much time labouring the bit in between, the bit where God goes silent. But this morning we want to come to that. Lots of sermons have been preached on it's Friday but Sunday's coming. It's as though Friday is simply a trailer for Sunday and the bit in between really isn't relevant. So today we want to, without apology, look at what's come to be known in the Christian tradition as Holy Saturday. 
It addresses a very vexed subject. I guess I could probably call it the silence of God. Now, I grew up in a tradition that didn't really like silence. You know, if you were in a prayer meeting and there was a silence, you felt you needed to go in. Theology was taught a bit like a formula. There weren't any loose ends and questions about theology really wasn't welcomed. All the questions needed answers. And I felt anyway, receiving that type of theology, that if I didn't know something, that it was a sign of weakness. I then got to thinking about why it is that most of us fear silence. And I came up with a few reasons. First of all, I think silence is perceived as negative. You know, the joke that we tell and then there's a silence. The phone call and we pick up and there's nobody on the other end. And the silence goes on. A message that we have sent to someone expecting a response and there's just silence. The empty silence as we've called it as we might be having a conversation. You know, how many of us have walked into a room and witnessed people stopping talking and that silence and we wonder what on earth just happened maybe when we've done something and there's been silence in terms of the lack of feedback some of us may have been even given this silent treatment it happened to me at school on a number of occasions you know you've maybe tried to answer a question and instead of the teacher saying well that's not a bad attempt there's just a silence as he or she looked around the room expecting the rest of the class to giggle or maybe being asked to just think about what you've done and then that moment silence when you consider how bad you've been or even being sent to your room and being there alone in silence with the parents absent so not a bit of wonder whenever silence presents itself when we've been praying for something asking god to intervene and it seems as if he hasn't either heard or he isn't concerned but he certainly hasn't spoken not a bit of wonder that we feel confused in the middle of it think for a minute about the disciples these were men who'd spent three years with Jesus. They'd given up everything for him. They loved him. Then they witnessed him being captured. Even one of their own number handed him over. He was abused. They knew that he died and was buried. And at least one of their number witnessed that death and burial. And they had no answers for all of this. And then on that holy Saturday, they were afraid. And they hid for fear of the Jews. Think then of Mary, his mum. Jesus had left her at the age of 30. Having spent all that time growing up in the family, he left her for an itinerant ministry. He had friends that she didn't really know, but she knew he'd been taken captive. And she witnessed the torture, the abuse, him being pinned to a cross. She was there when he was taken down and put in the grave. She was lost. She was confused. I guess for her, not only had Jesus gone silent, but God had gone silent. Silence. So what do we do when God seems silent? Now Pete Gregg reminded us in the prayer uh, video that we watched that when God's silent, it's not that he's absent, but he's present in another form. The way that I received that was that even when things are dark, we should be seeking God in the darkness. I was very moved by a testimony of Helen and whenever she, as a young woman in Eritrea, was taken captive because she was a Christian, because she was evangelizing, and she was arrested and imprisoned for two years. Just listen to the words. And they decided to send me to military prison. So when I pray one day for one very ill man, so they come and they decide she's continuing what she's doing. So they decide to send me to, they call it Mysorwa, which means container. 
So this is kind of purpose to silent me. So we are asking, uh, so what is next? They, they don't care, they close the door, they left. So around one o'clock, 1 p.m., the temperature is extreme, hot. So you can't light the container. So all of us in the middle. So it's kind of suffocation. Uh, people, they feel uh, kind of dizzy. So there are three dif different uh, age, like teenagers, middle age, also elderly uh, women. So the elderly women, they are kind of, maybe we will die. Also the teenagers, they start collapse on the floor. So I'm in the middle. So they say, uh, Helen, uh, what can we do? So for me, it's new. I don't know if we survive or we die because, so I say, please God, help me. So in these difficult times, God have answer. If you ask him and if you start to hear what he's saying, most of the time we speak, but we don't hear what he's saying. Now, the only thing we can do, we sing, I told them. Sing? What can we sing? We need to sing Jesus Christ, he sacrificed himself on the cross just for love. So I think that that is enough to worship him. So to hear song for the gods, it's kind of shock. Powerful. Powerful. I hope and pray that none of us has that same experience. But when I was reflecting about her experience, a few things came to me. Number one, she was very clear that God wasn't limited to a place or even a time. She realized that God was eternally present, even in that container in the dark. She'd been praying, but she came to realize that her prayers and God's answers were different, that God's answers were actually wiser than her prayers. He didn't answer the way she wanted, but nonetheless, even in that silence, she was able to praise him. She returned to the basics that God is good and God is able. Now that shouldn't surprise us because centuries ago, the mystics actually worshiped in silence. They, in fact, St. John of the Cross talked about silence being God's first language. Rumi, another well-known mystic, talked about silence being his language, that everything else is simply a poor translation. And Thomas Merton once said that God is hidden within me. I find him from hiding in the silence in which he is concealed. It's a very different way of looking at silence. But I have to say that everybody's experience of silence, of the absence of God, as it seems, isn't the same. Because theology is ultimately messy. It's not a formula. So it is okay to struggle. It's okay to get cross. It's okay to scream at God. Just look at the words of David in Psalm 22 and the words of Jesus from the cross. It's actually perfectly okay not to know what God's doing, even to struggle with where he is. And it's more than okay to take time out between Good Friday and Easter Sunday and just to reflect in that silence. It's also okay not to have all the answers. You know, sometimes we're brought up to think that not only are we not allowed to question, but that if we question, we need to have the answers and we need to be content as though God is all wrapped up in a formula that I referred to earlier. But as I said, theology is messy and things don't work out that way in the real world. 
Helen Berhin reminded us that most of the time that we're speaking and not listening, not only in our day-to-day -day conversations, but when we're talking to God. So it struck me that maybe it's okay to use the silence to listen to God and reflect in that silence, even if we feel he's absent, to remember some of the good times when he's walked alongside us, when we were aware of his presence. I remember somebody telling me that rather than think of silence as something that is a judgment, why not think of silence as a blessing for a time whenever we can take time out, cease to be busy and just enjoy being present with God in that silence. So ultimately the big question, where is God in the middle of all of this? Well, just like Helen discovered and just as Jesus when he appeared on Easter Sunday and spent time with the disciples was able to demonstrate that God is here. He hasn't moved and if he seems far away we're the ones who've done the moving. That God loves us and he wants the best for us. That he's in a process of recreating us and sometimes through those silences it's as though like we're being passed through the refiner's fire. Now that doesn't mean he does it for those purposes but it's like within that silence we can draw strength, we can help to be co-created with God. I think it's important to remember that not only is God not absence in that silence, but he's actually gone before us into the silence. He's present in the silence with us. So in that time of darkness, in that time when we feel absent, maybe even despair, relax and allow the strong arms of God to surround us because he is able. As we finish, let's listen to the second part of Psalm 22. That psalm started with the words of lament, but it ends up having moved from lament on, if you like, Good Friday, through to the resurrection joy of Easter Sunday. So the psalmist was able to turn that confusion, that anger, that resentment, that sense of loss round in a few verses to reminding himself that even in the middle of all of that, God was present and God was to be worshipped. So for us, it's that journey from Good Friday through to Easter Sunday, spending time off on Holy Saturday, just to reflect on who God is and how good he is. Let's listen to those concluding words of Psalm 22. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. So, just in conclusion, 
if you're going through that dark night of the soul, if you're going through those times of absence or silence, I think it's important that we don't read silence as judgment, that we don't read silence as absence, but that we spend time in that silence seeking God and his will, reflecting in the joy that we are loved and that we're created as the objects of his joy. So relax and enjoy his embrace. Amen. Oh,